the dawn of civilization. Primitive, dangerous, exciting. The handwriting is on the wall. If the human race is ever going to amount to anything, it needs the most civilized caveman I have ever seen. Uh. He's come out of his cave. You're listening to Cave Dwelling Music and the Knuckle Draggers Extravaganza. This is something that I mentioned on air last week. So if you missed it then, uh, well, you're in for a bit of a surprise. We're having a chat to two of the gents from Malignant Aura. Their album Abysmal Misfortune is draped upon me came out last month, the month before. I'm sure one of you guys will correct me, but we are joined. Uh, Well, gentlemen, why don't you introduce yourself? Yeah, May 31st, man, end of May. Yeah. Um, my name's Chris. I am the guitarist from Malignant Aura. And my name's Jono, and I play bass in Malignant Aura. Very nice. Well, right off the bat, gents, I noticed um, that it, even though it is a new band, you guys aren't particularly new to playing in bands. You've all got a little bit of a back history. Talk us through some of the bands that you were in before release, release, uh, reaching Malignant Aura, rather, and kind of how how this whole thing came about. Yeah, man. Um, I used to play in many bands in the Brisbane scene um, a fair while ago now. I used to play in a thrash band called Conscriptor mm-hmm. and a death metal band called Eternal Rest. Um that's where, from those bands, is where I met a lot of the other guys. Um, Dalton, who's the other guitarist. He played in Malachite. Played in a thrash band called Malachite. Exactly, man. So fantastic. We, made, we used to be kind of brother bands back in the day, Conscriptor and Malachite. We played a lot. We, we often would have band members from each band stand in at shows and stuff like that. Um, and that's also how we met Tim, who's the vocalist, who used to play in Defamer. Um so, uh, and Pete as well, actually. Pete used to play in uh, Malachite, Pete the drummer. So that's how we all kind of met up. And then Jono was really a, a newer addition um, to the kind of metal world that I knew anyway back in Brisbane. Um, but Jono, you, you played in a couple of other bands, didn't you? Yeah, I played in a bunch of um, in a bunch of sludge bands in high school that didn't really do anything. And in, the, <laughs> in my early twenties, I, I always get real filthy with those guys because they got uh, they got um, married and had kids and moved on and did the whole adult thing. Just as sludge, just as sludge became cool. <laughs> <laughs> so, what if they held out the five or so years? You guys would have uh, you guys would have come up through the sludge. Oh man, uh, it was um, yeah, a uh, bunch of projects here and there. It was in a really uh, interesting i say interesting my wife would call it shit it was uh, <laughs> i was in a in a um in a rock band for a little bit that was um really soul destroying then uh tim and i who have known each other for you know a decade and a half we were um we were getting drunk one night listening to listening to a bunch of death doom and i was like man i'd love to play some death doom tim was like oh man i wish i had a bass player for my death doom band and then like 20 minutes later we realized what was happening and uh, <laughs> I came into the jam room and uh, I saw people well above my ability shredding out uh, Van Halen and whatnot. It's like, shit, am I in the wrong room? But, no, it was these guys. It was a slow realisation. You're sitting there going like, fuck, I'd love to play this. And you go, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I, I think this is something I can do. I'm on here. <laughs> I, I wish I could overstate, overstate it in like a, a much more kind of nicer light for the two of us but it did take a lot longer than what you anticipated <laughs> and obviously we mentioned that the uh the record came out on the 31st of may thank you very much for 
for making sure I got that one there right. Uh, talk us through the album. I'll get onto the the vinyl pressing in a bit because I know you guys had an absolute shit house time trying to get that going. Yeah. For the uh, for the audio listeners, um, John has just pulled out a fantastic copy. Oh, look at that! That's lovely. But yeah, talk us through the uh, the recording, the writing, and everything that uh, came in behind the album. Yeah, Can I just. So- I've got this. This is one of the shit presses that we get to keep. <laughs> the demo presses. Yeah. <laughs> so um, Tim and I have been uh, working on this stuff for a fair while. Um, I have been kind of writing a lot of the stuff in the background. Um, a lot of the the base of the music was written by myself over, you know, a number of, of years um, and didn't really do much of it. Um, I lived in Europe for a fair while, so I was just kind of writing it when I had inspiration. Um, came back to Australia um, and then, yeah, hit up Tim saying, I have these Death Doom songs. I'd really like to make a Death Doom project. And uh, me and him um, started, the band was originally called Cursed by a Hag, and we wrote a uh, four-track demo with that and recorded that. And two of the tracks from that actually made it onto the full-length album. Which one's graduated? Um, the the title track, so the Malignanora, sorry, the band title track, Malignanora, um, that made it on. That's our first track on the album. And the last track, and so it was that I lay down forever. Um, I do want to touch on that. We'll get back to it. But I was mentioning this to my co-host when we played a track, is you guys were one piece away from hitting the Black Sabbath, Black Sabbath, Black Sabbath, Iron Maiden, <laughs> Iron Maiden, Iron Maiden. We're just sitting there going like, they could have named the album Malignant Aura and they would have had that 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 trio, you know? It was Yeah, uh, we had the discussion uh a few times. <laughs> <laughs> it was um that was where the name actually came from. You know, Curse by a Hag was kind of a working title. We ran with it for the demo, and then the lyrics were written for Malignant Aura, and this line stood out, you know, with Malignant Aura in it. And we're, and we're just like, fuck, that's a that's a fucking sick name. And um yeah, so then we ran with that for the band. And then somewhat unfortunately or maybe fortunately, Malignant Alter came out and released their album. And now everyone yeah. keeps confusing Malignant Aura and Malignant Alter, but we're running with it. We're leaning into it. Why not? I remember I remember that jam came in and I was like, guys, I just listened to some really sweet death metal demo. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and they're like, oh, what's it called? It's like Malignant Alter. And everyone's like, ah, oh, oh, <laughs> became a race to see who could release the album first and they beat us by um it was about a year wasn't it yeah it was yeah it was really good album by the way i'm really into it oh so good yeah <laughs> i like that there's no malice between you two You're like well our, our, our names sound similar enough you know i'm never going to be angry at people for writing sick death metal <laughs> <laughs> Hoping for a split, Malignant Aura and Malignant Alter split. Oh, that would be good. <laughs> Let's try and tee, tee them up. Get um, yeah. get the guys a bit of loss onto that. I reckon that would be the way to go. Malignant <laughs> Ultra. <laughs> so they're like, uh, it came from uh, Cursed by a Hag and you were kind of like writing stuff, Chris, while you are over in Europe. You had everything prepared. How did you guys find the actual recording of the record? I know we mentioned this with the with the vinyl; it was an absolute shit show. But was recording it a bit easier for you guys? Yeah. So look, yeah, look, we, we had. So there's obviously those two tracks that from the demo, and then we had a bunch more tracks written since we released that demo. It moved in a bit more of a different sound, a bit more towards 
a kind of death metal feel. The demo, I feel, was a bit more in the vein of um, it had a lot more kind of candle mass rocking type doom riffs. And while we tried it and maintained that, we went much more into like a death metal sound. And also those original tracks as well. Jamming with these guys, you know, all everyone in Milligan is an excellent musician. So getting that outside influence in really uh, brought the songs to life. So, um, yeah, we uh, we kind of jammed on it for a long time and then went into the studio with uh, Brendan Old, who's from Descent and uh, Resin Tomb, um, and we recorded at his studio over a week. Um, it was fantastic. It was a really good experience. Um, and we also got uh, Arthur Rizik from Eternal Champion and Summerlands to do the mastering as well. Awesome working with him as well. Um, so overall, the recording experience was fantastic. Uh, Brendan was fantastic. Arthur was fantastic. The whole thing was really smooth, um, apart from the vinyl pressing, really. Yeah. And now we've but, reached that. Yeah, by all means, Jono. Get, no, the, 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 it's, um, it's for no lack of effort, I think, as well. Like uh, Chris, Chris will always really, really be quite modest about these things, but there was, there was a lot of um, pre-planning that uh, went into it and, you know, um, Chris being, you know, a manager of people, IRL, and then Tim being a... Um, an event, well, not an event planner, but a project manager, um, there was a lot of whiteboarding and a lot of kind of um, flow charts as to what needed to be done and what needed to be worked on and how we needed to work on it, what things we might not have picked up on. So, yeah, it, <clears throat> yeah there was, it was no small feat getting to that. But, um, yeah, we set ourselves the timeline. I think, uh, I think everyone put in a lot, of, uh, a lot of mileage to get there well-prepared. I was about to say, what's the old saying? Prior planning prevents piss poor performance, and I think that's uh, been <laughs> nailed to a T right there. That's exactly it. And I think I think Tim Tim played a really big part in that. Um, Tim Tim had to be the person who like put his hand up and he's like, "This is something I do for a living, and I hate to bring work to the to the band room, but if we don't do this, things are going to be shit." It's, and it's, they were shit. So I can only assume yeah. that he was right. Without that, as well, there's no way we could have recorded an hour's worth of music in one week, you know, five days. Um, yeah. That was a alone, you know. And, yeah, we, we were coming really like, bad. An, an hour's worth of bass tracking in two and a half hours or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> yeah, there was uh, – it, it got to a point where, um, well, I don't know what the other guys were doing, but we were all facing away from each other trying to play to a click that it was the bane of Vire for, for months. Because <laughs> the click had to be louder than us and we're pretty loud in the jam room. So you'd go outside for a durry or to grab something from the front shop. People be like, that fucking click track, man. Like I can hear that. <laughs> and I've had, I've had a few sessions at Vire and they do soundproof those rooms somewhat. But yeah, if, mm. you're, if you've even got them up, like, you know, I used to play in a hardcore band. So you hear just the wash of everything through those fucking walls. Yeah, that's it, man. We're a loud band as well, as Jono said. It's punishing in that room, and uh, we like to make it punishing in the hallway as well. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's, well, how, uh, that's how it improves the songs, actually. You'll walk outside yeah. the room and listen to it, leaning up against the wall. Kind of be like, oh, is this, is this loud enough from the outside? No, no, no. <laughs> we need to turn this up, guys. What are we doing? Mm. <laughs> I think it's more to be able to um, pick up on any nuances without having the earplugs in. Yeah, that's um, true. So he, he kind of steps outside to see um, whether or not there are certain like cadences in the way that um, everything's kind of interacting that we might not pick up on because we're just going, well, uh, it, 
it doesn't feel like we intentionally went for maximum chainsaws, but there's like, you know, maximum them like a bees dig back chainsaws. <laughs> but, <laughs> you basically only, from only 11 to parts. 10 and a half. Yeah, that's yeah. it, mate. Yeah. Uh, it's like uh, like Chris's lead parts in like soliloquy, like so fantastically crafted on his spaceship of a of a pedal board. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, are you kind of the guy that looks down and looks at your pedal board, and sometimes you go, "Oh fuck, mate, I forget what half of these things do." <laughs> <laughs> no, they all serve a purpose, but sometimes you look down and you think, "Oh fuck, what's going to go wrong next?" That's more. <laughs> <laughs> the, the amount of cables and stuff you see on some people's yeah. pedal boards, you're like, there is there is definitely a gremlin that's going to be hiding in there somewhere. Oh yeah, it was like our um our, our first shoulder launch tour in Melbourne. <laughs> my uh, two of my leads, which ran out of my um my effects loop, were not actually big enough to reach the the head at the back. So they created some like a cage for me of leads when I was performing. They were kind of elevated just above my knees. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it starts to tour off well, and if everything yeah. goes well from that point, you're uh, you're not doing too badly. Well, you mentioned there, and we mentioned this before we started uh, the interview, that you guys have got uh, one more date left in the album launch tour. That's going to be in Brisbane in October, if I'm not mistaken. No, uh, so no. The, the tour is um, it end. Well, I guess it ends um, with the Sydney show, which was delayed. Um, oh, the original, you guys are playing up and yeah, okay, right. They're two separate. Yeah, tours. so the 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 launch tour will continue uh, Friday, so next Friday, so in eight days. Uh, so next next Saturday in nine days in Sydney at the Marrickville Bowls Club, um, we managed to arrange a show, a replacement show on what we um, already had, uh, what like two months ago, and now we're playing with Illimitable Dollar, uh, Futility, and Horisonus. So um, it's, I'm really chuffed with that because it's it's a lot a lot more doom heavy than um, a lot of the death metal lineups we had for the initial uh, the initial onset of the of the launch tour, and um, I don't know I think that's I think that's good I think it gives like uh, not only a chance for people who enjoy like you know we played to the death metal fans and now you know we've got something on there that might um, might tweak the interest of people who are a bit more on the Doom side of things and wouldn't venture too far for just a straight-up death metal show. So how was the um, those couple of shows that you guys did for the album launch tour? Obviously, the Sydney one's been rescheduled, uh, but how are the shows so far? Yeah, really fantastic, man. Um, you know, as John said, we we had excellent lineups in every city. We played Melbourne, um, Adelaide and then Brisbane. Um, and then we were meant to play Sydney, but uh, two of our members got COVID, as is the way these days. So we had to pull out, unfortunately. But um, yeah, uh, they were really great. And we toured with Carsonoid as well, which we're not only uh, good friends with a couple of those guys, particularly the vocalist, Josh. I used to play in a band with him in Eternal Rest way back in the day. And we also all know him from the Brisbane scene, but all the guys in Carsonoid are fantastic. Those guys absolutely rip uh, every single night, they killed it. Um, but all the Carsonoid, Chris, there's Jess as well. Yeah, yeah, well, that's it. Sorry, yeah, yeah, the, everyone in Carsonoid. Um, <laughs> but look, it, yeah, it was a great, great show. As we sold out Brisbane, which was a, which was phenomenal. I remember back in the day, it was hard enough getting 30 people to, to a show in Brisbane. So mm-hmm. selling out to 100 people at Bearded Lady was that was a real highlight for us and Carsonoid as well. Um, really, really cool, man. Uh, it's good to see like. People are keen to go to shows. People are keen to go back out and see heavy music again. Really, 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 uh, really cool. Yeah. 
How did you we find had a playing? Really- Sorry, man. Um, how lo- how did you find playing Doom at the Bearded Lady? Because I've been there a few times, and it like the gigs that I've seen doesn't seem like it would be conducive to like a massive, all encompassing and like swallowing sound. Like no, I'm gonna have a lot. Hey, he he was having a map. But I have I have a fear. Like I I told him about it at the, the beginning of the show. I said you're gonna you're gonna make a killing over the bar, and at the end of it, he had a massive grin on his face. <laughs> I like to think I like to think it's because he enjoyed in, he enjoyed the show. Yeah. Um, they did have uh, Suicide Country Hour on um, earlier that afternoon, which was um, which was really cool. But now I I think the venue was pretty fantastic. Um, I think it had a really cool vibe. I think. Uh, the the aesthetic was kind of really chill, like it wasn't wasn't too clean cut, it wasn't like overly dingy. Um, yeah, it was like it was really really well balanced by the um, by the person who was doing sound there as well. They they did a, they did an awesome job. And they were really attentive, um, even working with the sound person that Shackles brought on board for themselves. So yeah, I think I think all the stars kind of aligned for that one. I, I think it was a really good night. I I only say that because uh, it, it makes me sad every time that I think about it. But the fact that Crowbar is no longer around just is so fucking depressing. I know, man. See that, and that's the that's the other thing. It's really refreshing to see. You know, I know Beardo never used to really put on heavy shows, so I think like the heaviest they'd do was like a like a, a grimy hardcore band yeah. here and there. Mm. Yeah, but now I'm seeing more and more, uh, especially touring bands. They're playing the Bearded Ladies, so. It's cool that they've kind of taken this on board and um, it is a really good venue for uh, heavy music. As John said, the sound was really, really good. The vibe is really, really cool. It's not like too uptight, you know, it's it's kind of chill. And, I mean, yeah, everyone there had a great time. Um, and like I said, yeah, sold out, which I was astonished with. So, yeah, it's yeah, great. But, I want to see more shows there. On the tour, um, which was surprising being, uh, being Brisbane. But, yeah, it's almost seeing that level of um, – level of uh, punters coming out for a show that's not in a, a main dirge of Brisbane city is pretty fantastic. Kind of. It's nice to see like Rosie's era commitment coming back into things. And is that from memory, that's where you guys are going to be playing when you come up to Brisbane as well? We'll no. be playing the back room. The back um, room. Where the, is the back room? Uh, it's the old uh, Chardon. Chardon's Corner. Oh, I added Chardon's Corner. Yeah, okay, I know. Yeah. I know where that so, is. Um, so the back room is the venue there. Um, we're playing the Elephant 2, which was played at uh, Backbone in East Brisbane for their first uh, show. Shit. So Elephant is an event organiser. Yeah, um, yeah. And they've been really cool to work with. And on uh, on this bill, what have we got? Isua, Us, um, Virian. Um, uh, 308. Yeah, 308 who haven't played for many, many, many years, so they're back. And uh, And Yeah, Fornicator and Sightblinder. So it's a, it's yeah, a pretty good mix of kind of extreme music. Um, yeah, it's going to be a really good show. Late October, October 29th. Nice. Three, days after, three days after the uh, the Dead, Dead Congregation and Bloody Temptation show. So. Ooh, My memory's what? firing sharper when I'm on the spot. I have no idea how I remembered all that stuff. <laughs> When uh, when's Blood Incantation coming out? That's uh, October twenty sixth, I think, for Brisbane date. Blood oh, Incantation. It's it's the Wednesday prior to the show. Yeah. yeah. Fuck, I so, gotta go to that. Yeah, Dead, dead yeah. Congregation as well, man. Fucking hell, that'll be sick. 
I'm, I mean, yeah, definitely go to that, but also come to the back room for the air. I'll be going to both. It's fine. I'll, I'll make sure to uh, I'll make sure to pick up some earplugs so I can actually hear by the end of it. Yeah, Chris. Chris sent me a message. Um, and he was like, "Oh, I got tickets to the show," and I was like, "Mate, the Melbourne show is on the same night." As our show. <laughs> He's like, nah, you're an idiot. I got the one. Uh, I'm coming up to Brisbane early. It's like, oh, thank God. <laughs> nice. That worked out pretty well. What didn't work <laughs> out well, unfortunately, for you guys, we've kind of alluded to this, you know, a couple of times, but what the fuck happened with your vinyl pressing? Um, so so uh, Rob from Bitter Loss, Bitter Loss uh, are the ones who released the album and they've been exceptional the whole time. Uh, as well, Rob Simmons, who works for Bitter Loss or who runs Bitter Loss, uh, is really doing uh, amazing stuff for underground music in Australia, extreme music in Australia, and he keeps signing like really quality bands. Um, anyone who hasn't heard, uh, hasn't checked out Bitter Loss's roster, should immediately go and, and have a squeeze of all the bands on there. Um, and also, can't rate Rob highly enough, but he is based out of Perth, and he actually came to the Brisbane show specifically for our launch show. Oh, shit, um, that's a mission, that is. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, two, two bands from his label were playing the bill. So Pustulance and Brisbane well. yeah. are also on his uh, on his label roster. So, yeah. He, um, yeah, he teed that up for us and then, yeah, made the efforts come out and, and say hi to everyone. Oh, yeah, man. so, like, unfortunately, as is plaguing all other bands these days, we were just hit with delays from the vinyl pressing, you know, someone wanted a repress of you've got mail soundtrack on vinyl or something and it pushed all the metal bands back. I don't know. That's what seems to happen these days. Anyway. Um, so we eventually, we were meant to have them ready for our May launch. It didn't happen. Uh, we didn't actually, we didn't even have them ready for our Melbourne and Adelaide shows, but they were ready for our Brisbane show, which was on June 18. Um, he pulls us aside at the start of the show and he said, look, uh, I want you to check out these vinyls. And uh, anyway, um, they they had been just uh, there was there was a lot of defects on them, unfortunately, um, a lot of like scratching and and defects around the edges, um, and to the point where we had to make a decision. Well, do we sell these potentially to people with defects, or do we hold off completely and get them repressed by the plant? Um, and we chose the latter, just because we just wanted quality control. We want everyone. You know, it's it's a double album. We do acknowledge that it's it's expensive because it's two LPs. So mm-hmm. particularly for like a new band, I know that's going to be a bit of an outlay for people and a bit of a step out of their comfort zone to spend that much money. So if they're doing that, we want to get them to have the best product possible. So we made the choice to delay it a bit more. But in better news, just yesterday, he sent us uh, photos of the finished finals that arrived at Bitter Loss HQ nice. uh, yesterday. So we will have them ready for the Sydney show next weekend and we will have them at Hierophant later in the year as well. So, And they'll, they'll be good. They'll be the actual proper pressings and they'll play fine and we're really excited to actually show them to the world. So, yeah. Properly cut. They, the pictures look promising. Yeah. I've got the the, tw- uh, the 20 that are left over downstairs. I hand inspected and all of them. There's very few that are passable, if at all. <laughs> really unfortunate, but... Yeah, no, I, um, yeah, it's it's. I guess it's one of those things that happens. You know, you can't be hundred percent all the time. Like, there's no no animosity to the plant. Like, um, like it's just one of those things that happens. Hey, they're trying to cram. They're trying to cram a lot of stuff in to please everyone. Yeah, and um, we were just one of those things being something that's um, you know, relatively un, unrecognized and underrepresented that they were just like, um, you know, probably probably wasn't at the the peak of their 
their interest. So, you know, I, I understand those things happen. It was unfortunate for a lot of people who were really looking forward to having the album posted to them on time, um, but it's here now. So, <laughs> so I, it'll be it'll be out uh, this coming week for anyone who had a pre-order. Um, unfortunately, what is that, Chris? Two, uh, nine, nine, ten weeks after the release date. The initial post. Yeah, absolutely. Better late than never, I suppose. Hey, that's yeah. it. Good, th- good things come to those who wait. <laughs> that's it. Now, um, you've mentioned Bitter Loss Records there a couple of times. You mentioned like the good relationship that you guys have with them. How did that actually come about? Like, how did the relationship between Malignant Aura and Bitter Loss get started? Yeah. So. Uh, on the back of the album, as many bands do, and even during the recording of the album, we were trying to, you know, shop around for labels and stuff like that. Um, once again, it comes back to our, first of all, you know, we're quite a new band um, and the, the financial outlay for a label to put out particularly a vinyl, a double vinyl for a new band is significant. Um, so a lot of labels are very interested, but one, they couldn't fit us into their current roster um, just because of particularly the delays of vinyl pressing in Europe. Sometimes it's up to 14 months delay before they can actually get that vinyl printed. And two, it's just, you know, we it's just a bit of a big risk to take on a band like us uh, fresh out the gates with the double vinyl. But um, so we reached out to Bitter Loss as part of this as well, mainly because we'd seen, uh, you know, a lot of movement on the in the Australian scene from your labels like Brilliant Emperor, um, Bitter Loss, uh, Blight Town, um, and, you know, really wanted those to be part three, of it. Yeah, those, those three, three Hammer of Exile web store as well. Um, so Hammer yeah. of Exile, the Euro distribution, so it's Bitter Loss, Blight Town, and um, Brilliant Emperor. Yeah, so those guys all work in conjunction with each other. So if you ever bought something that was quite significant in this country um, with regards to extreme metal, yeah. Chances are it comes from one of those three. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's it. So just because uh, of the distro distro deal that they have going on, and I know, um, like Chris especially was very familiar with the uh, with the bitter loss web store um, at the point of putting putting ourselves forward to them. Yeah, yeah, I bought a lot of vinyls from Bitter Loss, <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, like, and uh, you know, we were all really keen on what they were doing for Australian music in particular, young artists and or new artists, you know. Um, and uh, really wanted to be a part of it. So, yeah, we reached out to to Rob and Bitter Loss, and the rest is really history, to be honest, and, like, can't be happier, you know. It's, it's been an amazing process. It's been amazing. So, um, yeah, big props to to Rob and Bitter Loss, really, yeah. Yeah, it seems like it's been a pretty uh, positive relationship so far, and I like the commitment as well from Rob to fly all the way from Perth to Brisbane to see you guys. Like, it still blows my mind that it's cheaper and quicker to fly from fucking Brisbane to New Zealand than it is to go from Perth to Brisbane. Like it just, it's the same country, but it just costs and takes like twice as long. That's it, man. Yeah. That's why no one plays shows yeah. to Perth. <laughs> he's, an he's an absolute legend to, um, to spend time with as well. Like he's, he's such committed and, um, and attentive dude, like running that, running that label. Um, and yeah, we have, we have like a really, uh, really positive continuous chat with the progress of things that are going on within the label. And yeah, he's, he's really passionate about it. Like he, <laughs> if, yeah, if, if he's representing it, he definitely cares about it. That's good. It's kind of what you want in your label as well. Like I, and having a small label with that kind of distro power as well is really good. I've seen horror stories of like, 
bands just getting swallowed up by major labels and then ignored and not having any contact with them. And if anything goes wrong, you kind of like get sent to one PR guy who sent you to another PR guy who sent you to the HR guy and you just, you just end up chasing the tail. That's it, man. Yeah. Yeah. We can't be happier. He's also, um, he used to be in the, in the Sydney kind of extreme scene uh, a long time ago now. So he really understands underground music and he's just really passionate about promoting it, particularly Australian music to the world. Just noticed that there was this whole, uh, you know, Australian music wasn't getting out there, you know, Australian extreme bands are just kind of staying in Australia. So he's really keen to promote it globally and just show the world how good that the music that Australia makes. Yeah. I always find like Australia is a bit of a, I know it, it sounds ridiculous, you know, us here talking and living in Australia, but obviously Cave Dweller goes, you know, I think we've got writers in France, the US and all these other places, but it seems that unless you're in Australia, you don't really know what's going on. Whether we're like us three would know about everything that's happened in fucking America, everything that's happening in Canada, know what's going on in Europe, but it doesn't seem to be the same for the other world, the rest of the world into Australia. I think yeah. there was a time in Australia, uh, like particularly uh, what would be like the the tail end of the noughties, you know, where there was there was a lot of extreme music that was globally recognised and had had a bit of hype about it. Um, as like you know, as somebody like born and raised in Brisbane, it kind of kind of ties in for me with when um, when Rosie's was kind of hitting its peak. There was a lot of stuff there where people were coming and they were doing that, doing that East Coast tour like as an international band, and then. You know, there was a lot of a lot of bands in that time frame as well who were who were really getting out there and getting a lot of like global recognition and representation. But yeah, I think it's it's always been there. Um, but yeah, I don't know peak, peaks and troughs, I guess. You see now though, like there's there's some good uh, death metal bands in particular coming out of Australia. I mean, Faceless Burial is just about to start a European tour off the back of Killtown Death Fest and Castanoid are playing that as well. So. Bands are yeah. getting back out there. I mean, after COVID from Australia, it's really good to see Australian metal actually escaping the uh, the country again, which is awesome, really keen, yeah. Got to export it worldwide. So when's the uh, international tour for you guys lined up then? It seems like you're going to be riding this wave. Yeah, looking at, looking at uh, well, like uh, there's ideas of Southeast Asia. Yeah, um, the Indonesian be- scene and like around there just my, like, I remember watching a doco on it and you just go, holy fuck, these guys are so into it. Yeah, I was, I was, on, uh, I was on holiday in Indonesia with my wife um, at the beginning of the year. And, um, yeah, it was one of those things where, you know, you're just sitting down having a beer and, um, and some really passionate metalhead local comes up to you and they're like, hey, are you in a band? And you're like, yes, yes, I am. Here's my album. <laughs> like, I'm sick. Check out my band. <laughs> That was um that was that was a really lovely experience and he was he's somebody that I like I've tried to stay in contact with but um yeah no there's a lot of a lot of uh, locals in Indonesia who are just insanely passionate like they they go they go balls to the wall for this kind of stuff and they they do it almost continuously like it's it's yeah the they are the envy of the Australian scene like those dudes really get into it. Our biggest problem, man, is that everyone's old now and works full time jobs. <laughs> <laughs> that is the uh, that is the drawback from it, hey. Yeah, yeah. So, hopefully soon, man. Hopefully, hopefully. Oh, things definitely pick up. Like, um, I 
I don't know. I wasn't expecting the kind of response um, that that we received in the uh, in the tour, uh, even with other bands. So we had a few COVID dropouts, Matt, and uh, we found we found some very eager replacements um, who are aware of what was going on, who were familiar with the product, and who also wanted to push their own kind of thing going out there. Um, in uh, it was Hormigaunt for Melbourne, which uh, you know those dudes those dudes were absolutely awesome, and they know how to party. So they're a great opener. <laughs> um, and then, uh, yeah, we got um, uh, Stefan from Endless Loss and um, the other guy whose name escapes me right now. They, they were um, they were a last-minute replacement for the Adelaide show. And that dude, like, well, those dudes are just, like, insane. Like, that was, that was awesome. That was such an awesome presence. Just this, this little guy who is just like really friendly and like, um, like, yeah, like just doesn't, doesn't strike you as having like an evil bone in his body and gets up on that stage without a shirt and a bunch of like bunch of gauntlets and shit. And just, <laughs> and him, him on guitar and a guy on drums. And he just starts shrieking and it's fantastic. That's a band to watch out for, man. Endless loss from Adelaide. They're fucking yeah. Awesome. yeah. We'll keep an eye on them. Um, and so you guys sound like you've accrued a fair few uh, not only good support, like not support bands, but bands that you've come across, bands that you've toured with. Out of the Australian scene and obviously, you know, yourself excluded, uh, who would be your your go-to? If you were to like pin someone against a wall and be like, listen to this band and then I'll let you go, what's your go-to? Illimitable dollar. <laughs> Nice. That's right off the bat. Nice and easy. I was, I was, I was so stoked with that response, but then it kind of also boils down to everyone's just people. Yeah. <laughs> like if, you, you listen to stuff and you're like, oh man, that's dope. And then you come across them and you try to interact with them. And you're like, oh, that's right. Everyone's just a person. You're just, but, um, you're just a dude like everyone else. Yeah. Like there's a lot of good stuff, but that's my pick. But I'm 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 a low and slow kind of guy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, I mean, I'm I'm based down in, in Melbourne, and the quality of bands coming out down here are phenomenal. I mean, uh, Hormigant, which uh, um, John I mentioned earlier, uh, really awesome, kind of really just straight in the face death metal band. Really into those guys. Really good doom band uh, who released an album I think last year, Mammon's Throne. Really, really great band. Kind of uh, have some early Catatonia esque type stuff that they play. It's really, really cool. Um, yeah, like Endless Loss, Channel Alter. I mean, the band Alter as well from Adelaide. Um, saw them two weekends ago, and they were awesome. Um, Golgotha Remains is is also an excellent band. Out of uh, they just released an album as well. Um, out of out of the Brizzy scene, there's some great bands too. Pustlers, really fucking rips. Um, really keen to see. I know those guys are back in the studio, so really keen to see what they're what they're oh, doing. Nice. That's something to look forward to. Yeah, yeah, fucking oath, man. Yeah, Idle Ruin as well are doing really cool things in Brisbane as well. It's cool to see, like you know, I, Brisbane for a long time was just thrash, like just heaps of thrash. And while there's there was some pretty good thrash that came out, it's cool now to see like this kind of rebirth of death metal. Yeah, um, yeah. out of Brisbane in particular. Um, yeah, because it was just like so many thrash bands you couldn't get your head around it. So I'm, I'm keen to see like this kind of New th- new death metal coming out. Yeah, it's cool. It's funny that you should mention Idle Ruin because I was walking through South Bank and it is the only time 
that seeing a random band sticker on a fucking telephone pole has ever worked. And I checked out Valley Inferno <laughs> and I was like, this rips, like more yeah. band, I should pay attention to more bands, random stickers. Yeah, that's right. Well, the vocalist and the drummer of that <laughs> band is um, uh, uh, Liam, who used to play in Malachite with, uh, with Dalton. So, oh, yeah. true. It all comes yeah, back yeah. around, doesn't it? Yeah, that's it, man. Yeah. Six degrees of Brisbane. <laughs> So we've kind of had a chat about the uh, the mo- the bands that are going around that you guys would recommend. This is a question that came from James. What are some of the classic? I think he said classic. Oh, no, let me get this up because otherwise he'll 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 yell at me if I get this wrong. Uh, but we'll start <laughs> off with this. What are some of the classic uh, doom bands? Like, let's break it down a little bit further. Like, what influences do you guys bring? to Malignant Aura. John, I know you said you're a you're a low and slow kind of guy, so the Doom is very much up your Iron uh, Monkey, alley. Man. <laughs> Iron Monkey was uh, that that uh, first that first album changed changed my life. Iron Monkey, um, I can't say I've, honestly, listening to you guys talk, I'm sitting there like when I do the editing, I'm gonna go through and write down all these bands that you've mentioned. <laughs> it feels like homework eventually. <laughs> yeah. When I, no, when, I was, uh, when I was writing a lot of the stuff, um, I took heavy influences in some of the riffs. And, I mean, if you're familiar with some of the, some ba- some of the bands, you probably even hear it. Um, like uh, a big influence for me was Candlemass on a lot of the rocking riffs. I absolutely love Candlemass. Um, Warning, which is uh, a, a really excellent Doom band, one of the best uh, that Doom That album bands. is so heart-wrenching, man. Yeah, watching from a distance, that album is phenomenal um irish band called uh morning beloved was is also a major influence um hooded menace as well really oh, really I love big. hooded menace yeah so i i got kind of outvoted by the band but i wanted to put heaps of horror like cult horror <laughs> film samples in there but we, we one got in there eventually i was so, about to say there was yeah. one vocal like audio sample that came through what where did that come from what what is that movie from possession yeah, 1980s film called Possession. Yeah, it's got Sam Neill in it, uh, aka um, Doctor Alan Grant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I hadn't an seen... architect like yourself. Is he an architect? No, it's a, it's a joke that Jono. Ah, played. it's ah. not. It's not just me. We all pulled it to your boss, <laughs> at the Melbourne show. So Chris, uh, Chris is an archaeologist. Yeah. Um. So yeah, the shit joke is we just refer to him as an architect. <laughs> but it, doesn't that make the joke better though? If it's just intentionally shit. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, yeah, because when we we all kind of did this rotation at the Melbourne show at the merch desk, and Chris was there talking to his boss, and he's like, you know, introduced his boss to Pete, Tim, to to me, and just one by one, just like, oh, you're an architect as well, and he's like. By the time it got to me, he's like, oh, man, I've heard this too many times tonight now. <laughs> it's good to see that they're running. <laughs> it's probably too much of an in-joke to make the actual uh, the, the actual recording on your um, on your podcast. This <laughs> no, no. I'd like, the dumber the in-joke, the better it is. I'll keep okay, it in. Okay, cool, whatever. Yeah, let's do it. Back to influences, I guess. I mean, yeah. we can keep talking about the the similarities and how a, an architect and an archaeologist are the same thing, but yeah, influences, <laughs> sure. 
Don't talk about Sam Neill till the cows come home, hey. <laughs> but um, Tim, Tim, I know when he was uh, fashioning his his vocal style and approach to the album, drew a lot of influences from like Incantation, um, and um, and yeah, some some other like early uh, Australian doom bands like Disembowelment and stuff like that. Um, he was really kind of keen to channel that that style um, and just all those kind of early 90s peaceful bands, you know, like Paradise Lost, um, you know, early My Dying Bride and stuff like that um, we were really trying to do. I mean, we knew when we were writing the album we weren't really breaking new ground, you know. We were just kind of keen to write a Death Doom album that really paid homage to the greats of Death Doom. Um, and so yeah. we were just trying to emulate that sound more than anything and combine some more modern elements of death metal in there as well. So, yeah, man. Well, even even old school, there are a lot of things that really uh, that I love that you guys kind of inadvertently um, like dragged upon. You know, like uh, like original Dominus, which is unfortunately now known as Volbeat. Um, but the that first album, View to the Dim, is um, was like it pre it it beats left hand in tombs left hand path to the punch by like half a year or something like that okay all right i am a massive fan of that entombed record so i'll have to go back and listen oh, to who it. isn't <laughs> it's so as good the meme, as the meme goes the left hand path shoes stay on during sex <laughs> <laughs> but um no like that that is one of uh, like that's a very it's very close to my heart tone is chainsaws as uh, I make a lot of jokes about it in the band, but I, I, I absolutely love that stuff. I love death and roll. I love black and roll. I love the whole, um, yeah. the whole rock and roll element of it. And I love just how kind of energetic and pumping it gets in, in bands like, uh, like that and bloodbath and, you know, what like the new renditions of the same kind of thing, like gate creeper. Oh, feral, which are an absolutely fantastic one. A um, bunch of guys from Sweden, uh, they churn out some absolutely killer shit. Um, but, yeah, there's, like, a lot of – there's a lot of fun to be had with it while also being, um, you know, gut-wrenchingly crushing. Yeah. And and uh, with a lot of, like, the really sorrowful lead parts, I draw a lot of inspiration from an Australian band who no longer plays called Virgin Black. They were out of Adelaide as well. Yes. Excellent. Absolutely excellent band. Um, had this really kind of operatic vocals over these extremely sorrowful – guitar tones and it was really kind of grand and like really operatic um and a lot of the yeah lead parts uh the really sad lead parts are kind of straight out of their book and also bands like morphal congregation and stuff like that too you know so um we're just trying certain to parts of, all this, yeah. certain parts of dark lord as well like there's yeah. there's some like well, you know albeit without twin neck twin neck guitar shreds and uh and ridiculous blasts but there's like uh there's you know an influence of that that aesthetic when it comes to the slow crushing parts, albeit few and far between in Dark Lord, but still very potent. I think we uh, we now can kind of understand a little bit more as to what goes in uh, to Malignant Aura. Speaking of things that you guys are putting out, obviously uh, you can fuck off, you can, you stupid little pop-up. Um, you guys have put out the record. <laughs> The album tour is all but coming to a close. There's a show up in Brisbane late October. What else have you got? guys got planned for 2022 and beyond we're all we're over halfway through the year what's the remainder of it look like for you guys uh we're currently writing some more tracks i know we just released an album we're writing some more tracks hey it never stops 
Yeah, it doesn't stop. Um, we're going to put together some of these songs to probably push for a split with with another band. Um, unsure yet uh, about that. You can do but, it with Malignant Ultra. Ultra. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> the Malignant Ultra release. There we go. The name's already there. <laughs> <laughs> that would be excellent. But, no, we don't have anything <laughs> locked into that. Um, but, yeah, we've got the Sydney show on the 13th of August. We've got a, a confirmed Brisbane show on the, at the Hierophant on the 29th of October. We may have um, another Brisbane show locked in before the end of the year. and then Ooh, uh, Very nice. We'll probably be back interstate um, early next year as well. So, um, yeah, it's like it's writing and, and trying to promote the album really. And, yeah, that's it, man. All righty. Well, gents, thank you very much for taking some time out and uh, having a chat to us despite Zoom cutting us off halfway. Um, anything you guys wanted to say before we wrap it up tonight? No, no, it's been it's been a pleasure, Matt. Thanks for having us. It's no worries at all. Absolute pleasure, man. Thanks for the support. Thanks to Cave Dweller for the support as well. Um, yeah, really love what you guys are doing also. Um, and uh, everyone... Uh, Keep checking out our album. Uh, we're going to have vinyls online. We're going to have leftover tour merch as well. We've got we've sold out of a lot of our designs on the tour, but we've got some represses happened, and hopefully that if we don't sell out in the next run of shows, that'll be back up online. So keep your eyes peeled. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm staring at a merch bag with some shirts and CDs and faulty vinyl over here. We're not selling the faulty vinyl. <laughs> no, 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 we're not. No, we're not. That might be a giveaway. Um, don't know what to do with it. I've got twenty of them. We'll we'll figure it out. You'll work it out. Yeah, I'm, um, as soon as next payday hits, I'm definitely picking up one of those long sleeves because I don't know what it is. Just metal band shirts feel better when they're long sleeves. I think it's because you can get the print <laughs> down the side and everything, you know? Yeah, do you yeah. know about that, man? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the cutoffs work pretty well, yeah. <laughs> I think uh, I think most shirts I get are uh, immediately have the sleeves removed. <laughs> I think I think it was actually a competition between me and uh, between Pete and I. Uh, Pete was like, "I guarantee you, I'll cut the sleeves off before you," but I got them delivered to work. So I I was in his house cutting off the sleeves of my shirt. <laughs> <laughs> you just beat him to it. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>